Welcome to the Marketing AI Show, the podcast that helps your business grow smarter by making artificial intelligence approachable and actionable. You'll hear from top authors, entrepreneurs, researchers, and executives as they share case studies, strategies, and technologies that have the power to transform your business and your career. My name is Paul Reitzer. I'm the founder of Marketing AI Institute, and I'm your host. Thanks for joining us. This is episode four of the Marketing AI Show. Is Facebook evil? That's the question we explore in today's conversation with international best-selling author and world-renowned keynote speaker, David Meerman Scott. David shares his thoughts on the dark side of social media, how AI-powered algorithms are affecting the way we consume news, and what it all means to brands and marketers. You don't want to miss this discussion as it impacts all of us as professionals and consumers. Before we get started, a quick word about one of our show sponsors, Market Muse. MarketMuse Suite, an AI-powered content intelligence and strategy platform, analyzes millions of articles on demand, uncovering gaps and opportunities for better content. The output empowers marketers to craft high-quality content that their audience loves and search engines reward. MarketMuse uses AI to accelerate content planning, creation, and optimization. MarketMuse has a team of content and AI veterans using machine learning that enables clients to gain authority in their topical domain. Receive 20% off select packages for your first year with code ACADEMY20. That's ACADEMY20. Visit marketmuse.com to get started. Welcome to the Marketing AI Show. I'm joined today by international best-selling author and world-renowned keynote speaker, David Meerman Scott. Welcome, David. Hey, Paul. So good to be here. Thanks very much. Always, man. Last time I think we did something publicly together would have been the keynote stage, the final closing talk at Marketing AI Conference 2019. Exactly. And that was, I mean, my gosh, it seems like a thousand years ago because it was (laughs) pre-pandemic. Last month seems like a thousand years ago right now. I feel like we've all lived a lifetime in the last eight or nine months. But man, I miss those days. I know you're. I, I know you had the new book on the standout virtual events. So I know you've kind of pivoted and made the best of it with the virtual events. But I know we're all missing the the live events and seeing other humans. Think, yeah, we are. I mean, you know, as you know, because you kindly took a look at the book. This book I wrote called Fanocracy. It's about human connections yeah. and physical human connections are super important. It's actually hardwired in our brains. It's neuroscience that we want to be part of a tribe of like-minded people. So we're all hurting. (laughs) We're hurting in so many ways because of this virus. But there is light at the end of the tunnel. My daughter, Reiko, who is working the emergency department in a COVID intensive care unit now, um, she graduated from med. She's my co-author in democracy, as you know, graduated from med school in April and now is a doctor. She got her shot yesterday. Oh, did she really? Yeah. So the the vaccines are rolling out. There is, I think, I think the fact that the, that she got her shot on the winter solstice and every day from now gets lighter. I believe we are now coming out of darkness. Symbolic in some way. Humor me, Paul. Humor me. I'll take it. I will take anything we can get. Tie in the great (laughs) conjunction in there and like, I'm good. I'll take it all. All the positive thinking. (laughs) No, I agree. And I think, you know, it's like we start looking out ahead and, you know, I feel like next fall that, you know, maybe in the summer if we're lucky, but certainly next fall, I, I think it's realistic that we can be back together again in some form, so. you know, and I hope I, so. maybe smaller events, even in the summer, like I'm starting to look out, say, can we get 50 to a hundred people together yeah. 
at, right. you know, different. So I, I'm with you. I, and I think any chance we get to start having those in-person, even if they're not the thing we're used to, but just yep. some level of in-person yep. connection is so critical. Absolutely so, is. Absolutely is. No, Fan is a great book too. And I, I know that's not really our topic today, but it is yeah. incredible. And it does have a connection to what we're doing because the, the reason, David, I mean, David and I could talk about topics all day long related to marketing. So if you haven't read New Rules of Marketing and PR, that was like the international bestseller. I think 2007 was the first time. 2007 was the first edition. Yeah. And I wrote it in 05 and 06. Now in the seventh edition, remarkably, and it's done. And and being an author, you would recognize these numbers, but it's done 400,000 copies in English and it's in 29 other languages from Albanian to Vietnamese. So it's... um, it amazes even myself to be able to to say those numbers. It's kind of kind of amazing. Yeah, and if you're not a business author, or haven't worked in that industry, and again, I I'm going on my third book, but the first one, you don't know what success looks like. And I remember asking the publisher. We had the same publisher, Wiley. You know, for at least the first couple. I remember asking them, like, what is success in the business publishing world? And I don't remember what number they gave me, but I, I think I had heard at some point that the average business book sells 500 copies. Yeah, like it's. To do a thousand is hard. Average business book sells like five hundred. It's a generally a success if it sells five thousand. And New Rules of Marketing PR has done four hundred thousand. So it's kind of amazing. So that that's probably a good jumping off point here. So your seventh edition, if I'm not mistaken, is the first time that you had a dedicated chapter section about artificial intelligence. Entire chapter, (laughs) basically anchored by my friend, Paul. (laughs) But yeah, it was the first time that I really dug into AI as an important aspect for, for marketers to understand. And I'm really glad I did. And that was actually the catalyst of that was the um, uh, impact event that was done in 2018. And you delivered, you delivered a keynote and I was mesmerized by what you were sharing to the audience because I thought I'm, you know, I'm a bit of a smarty pants about marketing, (laughs) you know, I'm like up on my high horse thinking I know everything. And you just started talking about AI, a topic I didn't know anything about except for a little bit of practical stuff, just watching Netflix and wondering how the algorithm works. But you are like talking about it in such a way I have to get educated with this stuff. It is the new thing. Paul's on top of it. I'm not on top of it. I have to figure it out. And you kindly helped me along, educated me. And then it became a full chapter in the New Rules of Marketing and PR. It's actually in the subtitle now. AI is in the subtitle. So thank you for that. Thank you for your leadership in this area, because it's really, truly been remarkable to see how you've grabbed at this topic and really taken a leadership role in it. I appreciate that. I remember after that talk, you came up to me and said something about how open your eyes. And to me, that was like, oh man, like this is David. Like this is the guy I kind of, you know, idolized in the industry, looked up to, read your book at the start in 07. And so, yeah, it meant a lot to me to know that it helped you. And to me, like it, it, it kind of validated what we were trying to do was get other really smart people in the industry thinking about this and talking about it. And that kind of leads into the topic today, which is recently you published an article called 2021 Digital Marketing Prediction Backlash Against Social Media Algorithms. And so your understanding of AI over the last couple of years has, has helped you start looking at things differently, I would say. It has very much so. And I've been sort of in the back of my mind sort of lurking is 
I really need to understand this. And I didn't feel that I did truly understand it for a long time, more than a year. And I've, you know, been watching what you and your team has been putting out with the Institute, subscribing to the blog posts and so on, and really trying to understand it. And I'm not saying I do understand, understand it, but enough to kind of draw some conclusions. And that blog post you reference was probably my most popular blog post in, in a couple of years, two or three. Was oh, that right? Years. Yeah. In every measure, the number of people who've shared it, the number of people who've commented on it, the number of people who've reached out to me and wanted to chat about it a little bit. So yeah, and super, super interesting. And I kind of had a draft of that for a couple of months before I finally, and I I was a little bit nervous to push the button. Uh, It's a tricky topic. Should I push the button? No, screw it. I push the button, put it out. So so if you haven't read it, so we'll include it in the show notes. We'll put a link in there, but I want to read you the lead to the article and then have you kind of react to that. So I'll give you an abbreviated version. So social networks like those developed by Facebook and Google have tremendous power to allow people around the world to connect and share. However, the increasing reliance of social networking companies on algorithms and these AI powered algorithms, not human powered algorithms to determine what we see in our feeds has become a tremendous problem. Why? What is, what is it that you're seeing that kind of got your attention and said, hold on a second, this, this isn't going the way it's supposed to? The first thing I noticed, this was more than a year ago, was how on Netflix, yep. all of the TV shows and movies that they were showing me, I could see every single one was either based on my based on what I had seen before or something that they were pushing because it was new. I was never shown anything that was serendipitous, that was interesting, that was unique. You know, and 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 I you can see behind me my my rock and roll hall of fame. <laughs> um, I'm a huge fan of live music. And when I first subscribed to Netflix, I watched a lot of rock documentaries. And freaking Netflix, Netflix's algorithm shows me every rock documentary there is. And, and, and they've even gone beyond rock and roll and other kind of music documentaries. And I don't watch all of them. I don't want to see all of them. I'm not interested in having my feet cluttered with that. And then I, I got into a, a couple of British sort of programs like The Crown and things like that. Yeah. And they're sending me thousands of those kinds of things as well. And I thought to myself, wow. I'm kind of understanding from a practical reason what's going on with an AI algorithm. And I'm, I get it. I, I'm, I'm understanding what they're doing and why. And then I started to be thinking, especially about Facebook and, and of the same kinds of algorithms, of course, with Twitter and LinkedIn and others, but and, and, and Instagram, of course, which is owned by Facebook. But I was really seeing it with Facebook. And I drew a conclusion a couple of months ago that Facebook's AI algorithm is evil. It's evil, Paul. Was this before or after you watched The Social Dilemma? uh, It was before I watched The Social Dilemma. Then I saw The Social Dilemma, and rather than opening my eyes, it just confirmed what I was thinking. But the algorithm being evil to me, and, and and, and let me back up just a second and saying, I'm going to turn 60 next year. And, and I wanted to make sure that I wasn't being just a curmudgeon about it, right? You know, yeah. I wanted to make sure that I wasn't doing what people were doing 20 years ago. When, when, I, when I saw this, the, the 
the marketing revolution around online, I talked about the curmudgeons who are all about advertising. So I was like, oh my God, I've turned into the curmudgeon. I'm saying that AI is AI algorithms are evil. Oh my gosh. I am what I was talking about 20 years ago. So I really wanted to make sure that that wasn't what was going on. And I was like, oh, you know, everything that I know is good and everything that's new is bad. I really do think the Facebook algorithm is evil because what it does is it it polarizes people. It puts you into a group. And then the things that you click, it gives you more of, and it gives you more of, and it gives you more of. And there's so many people out there who then begin to believe the conspiracy theories that Facebook shows and begin to focus on the political sort of discussions and the political viewpoints that they initially click. They just see more of it and they see more of it. They see more of it. And many of those people just aren't, I don't want to say they're not bright enough because they probably are bright enough, but they're not educated enough to know that Facebook is just showing them what they've already clicked on as opposed to showing them an overall news feed. And I'm, I spent the first 15 years of my career in the financial news business. I worked for companies like Dow Jones and Reuters. I was a product manager for news services. I understand news deeply. And when a human is creating a news feed, you know, they, they try to figure out how they can create a, um, a news feed that's got multiple different sources and different ways of looking at um, news and trying to be as, um, as fair as they can. But when an algorithm, an AI algorithm takes over that news feed, provides that information, it's, I believe, so out of control that Zuckerberg and his gang doesn't even know what it's doing anymore. I think it's actually gone that far. It's into like the, oh my God, the computer is taking over. And you know, you know way more about this than I do, Paul. And right. and and I'm just trying not to be too curmudgeon-y about it. No, it's I really do think that it is one of the worst things that have ever happened to humanity. The way I look at it, and I, I'm kind of like you, I, I try and give these companies the benefit of the doubt. And the reality is that a lot of the the innovation in AI that's happening that we're experiencing today and that we'll use as marketers is coming from these companies. Yes. So whether it's Facebook or Google or Amazon or, I mean, Apple to a degree is treated differently and they don't have their social network. But what they're doing and the way AI works is it's trained to achieve an outcome, a, a goal. And so if we think about how Facebook's business model works, they they make money by you staying on Facebook longer. Right. And they sell advertising on top of that. And I think you use the line of, if you're not paying for the product, you are the product. I think you referenced that. Yeah, and um, I can't remember who said that first, but I, I did reference that one. Yeah, and that is that is the case here. You Your data is what they're selling. And to your point about conspiracies and the other things that, and this isn't new to social media, like human behavior through news. It's why you have sensationalized news channels. They know that if they can wrap you in this, this mythical idea or these conspiracies that that they know aren't true, but they're going to send you down this because you're going to keep clicking. And right. whether on YouTube or Facebook or wherever, right. you're going to all of a sudden see the next one, the next one. And there's a really good chance the AI will learn to keep moving you further along the spectrum yes. Yes. To, to get you further from what you probably thought was true because you're going to keep looking. Yes. And so your your attention is what they're able to then sell. Right. The AI learns ways to do that that... No one's coding it anymore. They're not telling oh, it yeah. to service this ad. <laughs> <laughs> 
Exactly. Yeah. And, and so I truly believe that when you have 2 billion people in the world, I I don't know what their latest numbers is. And I want to stick with Facebook because I think that's the worst offender. If you have 2 billion people, the vast majority of which get most of their news through that news feed, and they're being fed this diet, that is a terrible thing for humanity. And, you know, there's a bunch of, um, I think, 40-something states have, have sued Facebook and arguing they're a monopoly. I don't believe that that's the right lawsuit. I think the, the lawsuit should be around the way the AI, the AI algorithms work. I think that's a way bigger problem than the monopolistic behavior from those networks. And that requires a totally different understanding from the government, because unfortunately- And, gonna, and, and no. there's probably not that many people who, who, can, who have dug into it enough to even understand what these things mean. Well, when they're sitting in front of Congress and getting asked these questions, it's just laughable. I mean, oh, yeah. obviously they have no understanding of the business model, more or less right. the AI. Right, 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 right. When I think it was Grassley, one of them said, well, how do you make your money? And Zuckerberg <laughs> says- advertising, sir. And it's like, oh my God, what the hell is These people won't understand how AI algorithms work. They don't even know how these companies make money. Yeah, you cited Facebook is uh, far and away in terms of where people get their news. 52% of U.S. adults get their news from Facebook, which is terrifying. It's a remarkable, remarkable number of people who are seeing their news manipulated in a way that drives to polarization and conspiracy theories. It's truly awful. Have you tried to manipulate the algorithm? We actually had this conversation at my agency a couple of weeks ago where you realize what the algorithm is doing. And again, without even, I don't know if the average person would do this, but like our our team obviously understands that. So like we'll go into like Instagram, for example, your feed. And one of the girls on my team was saying she'll purposely like specific people she follows because they'll disappear from her feed. So she'll go find like the last 10 things they did and just like them because she knows that'll then surface them back into the top of her feed and <laughs> adjust the way the algorithm presents the information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, um, I have screwed around with that a little bit and I, I very, very, very much see it. You know, I'll go in and if I'm retweeting a few people, all of a sudden they're appearing in my Twitter feed when I go in there. So I, I see that a lot. But my gosh, there is probably le- way less than 1% of people who are on Facebook who understand that. That's the problem. And so when, when you see these people who are interviewed about, you know, why do they believe in QAnon? And the reason they believe in QAnon, they don't actually say say it in these ways, but they believe in QAnon because that's all the Facebook algorithm is showing them. And then they believe that the whole world is in, in you know, is figured this out and they just need to, to make sure that they get out there and tell people about it. And that's I mean, just really dangerous, I think. So... I think we could probably agree that the government likely isn't stepping in and fixing the algorithms that are powering Facebook. Like earlier this year, um, earlier in 2020, there was some pushback on advertising. Like there was some major brands that paused their advertising with Facebook to try and prove a point. But I remember like the first early days of that, you saw a lot of people like, yeah, great. What are you going to do? Pause your ads for 30 days? Like, is this really going to change any behavior? Right. So, 
outside of someone stepping in and changing the way Facebook works, because what Facebook claims is they are neutral. It is open. It's free for mm-hmm. anyone to share. Well, that's not true. And you know true. what? You know what, Paul? It's easy for them to say that. And it's actually true. You know, to say that they're neutral, that look, I'm, you know, Zuck and his team can say, we aren't manipulating this for, we're just, it's just, it just is. That's true. But the algorithm that they built, the AI algorithm they built is run amok. Correct. And and so it's absolutely true they're not manipulating it. I agree with that, actually. <laughs> what is the answer, though? So the like answer, as brands, I, as we look ahead, what are, I, what are we supposed I, I, to do? I believe that the absolute the, the the answer of how we're going to deal with Facebook really comes down to Facebook employees and I've noticed yeah. very recently that there's been a backlash from many of their employees even publicly around what the company is doing and I don't believe that the employees who work at Facebook are evil and I'm not quite I sure. know many of them they're not they're good I'm not people sure. I'm not sure about <laughs> the management team, but the employees aren't evil. And the employees can see what their their AI algorithms are doing. And I think the employees have to figure out what does that mean for them? And I think it means one of three things. And every single Facebook employee needs to make a decision. Number one, you become an agent of change and you speak out about what's going on and perhaps get fired. Number two, you just say, suck it up and you say, all right, this is the company I work for and I'm going to go to hell. Or number <laughs> three, you quit. And those are the three, those are the three choices. There are no other choices. Those it's, are the three. So do you think, I mean, this is what often happens in, uh, I don't want to get political. I was going to say, you can look at some examples <laughs> yeah, of to, where it's, it's hard to have this discussion so, without being political. Yes, there are people mention, who work for- QAnon, but- Yes, there are people who work for organizations who believe they can have a greater change by being on the inside. Yes. That, that they see what is going wrong, but they do have a voice. And mm-hmm. while their voice may not be listened to right now, they at least have a seat at the table to say- we should think about this a different way. Yes. And so I, there are people I know who work at Facebook who are in that camp yep. that are incredible people yep. that do believe it can do good, but do see the dark side. You know, Paul, they can, it can do good. I mean, yeah. I'm connected with friends I haven't, I haven't seen in person in 30 years. Facebook has brought together humanity in a really fabulous way, but it has gone so far beyond those initial things to become so evil that it's now, rather than being a force for good, it's a force for bad. I always thought about AI development in, in this way. There was a, a great book called The Pentagon's Brain that I read uh, mm. years ago, and it was about DARPA and uh, mm. went back decades to the 1950s and like the origins of AI within the government and trying to use it for yeah, the defense. Yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. But in that, there's the moral of the story around like the atomic bomb and things like that that came later of just because you can doesn't mean you should. Right. And so I think with AI, many times there are there are incredible things that can be built. There are ways to take leaps forward in terms of information, the way people consume information, the way we affect people's behavior. But when you, in Facebook's case, when you look back 15 years after, you know, it became available on college campuses in mm-hmm. 2005, and you say, like, 
if you had to make that call now, like knowing all the good that came from it, all these people you've connected with, all yeah. the things you share, especially now when we're just like, we, we just want to know what's going on in people's lives. But you also know all the, the negatives that can come from it. Do you still create Facebook? <laughs> um, you know, I, I believe that if Facebook hadn't been built, that something else would have yeah. been built that would have become Facebook. You know, when the new rules of marketing and PR came out in 2007, MySpace had more users than Facebook. Yeah, lots. And, yeah. Uh, it was something like 25 million users on MySpace, and Facebook was only for students at that time. Very soon after, they opened up to non-students. So this world would have been created if it wasn't Zuckerberg and Facebook's world. It still would have been created. And I think that I think that we need to really just take a good hard look at this. And so I think that Facebook employees are part of the part of the potential solution. But I think all of us are to get educated around what's going on speak out when we can. And, you know, I don't advertise on Facebook. So I, I don't yeah, know. I, I was actually going to ask you that this is this is an internal struggle. So I have, man, this is so hard to talk about this topic without like <laughs> sharing some really personal feelings. on yeah, all, this right, stuff. Right, right, right. all right, let, I'll try and figure out a word on it. So did you watch the great hack on on Netflix, the story uh, of Cambridge Analytica and I how did. they yeah, I weaponized? Did. I, did. I did. And I watched the social dilemma as well. Okay. So The Great Hack, if you haven't watched it, tells the story of how Cambridge Analytica in 2016 weaponized data and conducted psychological warfare on American citizens to manipulate yep. the election. Is the simplest way to say it. Yep. Indisputable. Like, they did this. Yep. Um, yep. After that, I already had some feelings. But after that, I was, I was repulsed by what I had seen. And, right. and I thought I understood. Yep. Yeah, I thought I understood what was happening. And, and it just opened my eyes completely. So as someone who owns an agency who does uses Facebook as a key marketing channel, yeah, I have now for four years struggled with the fact that that we're choosing to continue to to use a product and a platform and a company that I am convinced chooses to allow these evil things to happen. Yes. Now I I do the, the reason we haven't made a change, and I, I there's probably other people who have struggled with this. I don't I don't think it's you know, unique to me. There are there are evil people in all of these companies. So, yeah. like, if you're going to say to well, we're not going to work with Facebook. It's like there's like forty nine thousand employees out of the fifty thousand who are probably insanely good people. Yeah, and true. like have jobs and, and it helps small businesses. Like, so there's this part of me that's like, but it does do good. Like, yeah. I don't, I can't step back as an agency owner and say, forget it. We're just yeah. done advertising yeah. on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know that it would change anything if we did. Right. If it wasn't part of a bigger movement. And I'm not even proposing that that's what people should do. Right. I'm just more talking out loud about, I struggle with this. Like, this is real. Oh, I understand wow. what they're doing. Oh, yeah. I understand the negative effect it has on people and society. And I don't know where the stopping point is. And I don't know what the end game is. And it's one of those things that you, you and I would be sitting around at a conference, probably talking about this over a drink. And then I'd go back to my my daily life and I'd just put it away for six months and not think about it and That's not right. feel anything. About yeah, it. I, exactly. I mean, in my case, I don't spend money on advertising on Facebook or Instagram and I won't ever. I mean, right. not that my couple hundred bucks a month would make any difference anyway. And I don't talk about Facebook any longer in my presentations. I don't tout it as here's how, what you should do with your marketing. In the next version of the new rules of marketing and PR, I will probably start to say that Facebook is evil. 
Um, and the one thing that I thought about that I could do that I, like you, I could do that I haven't done is I could publicly say I'm going off Facebook and I deleted my account. Yep. But I thought about that times too. But I haven't done that, Paul. Yeah. I haven't done that. Um, and again, is it going to make it, are, do you have the ability to affect change less by not being there? Is It almost goes back to that. I, I, I don't feel know. Like, I feel like I want to understand the platform and how it works. Yeah. And for that reason, I need to be on it. I don't feel as if I can just, you know, wash my hands of it and be done with it and make a statement, a one-time statement that says, DMS is off Facebook that would get a mild social media ripple and then go away. Right. I don't know that that's as, as that is an important way to share my feelings than it is to, to, to try to understand deeply what's going on and talk about it like you and I are right now. Yeah, it's, I was just going back to you ended that post with like five things that marketers could do. So if we're assuming this backlash is coming, if we're assuming this acceptance that it, it is evil, and I, I mean, I don't know that you'd get a ton of debate from people. I mean, it's more of it's become so utilitarian within their lives that it's like, yeah, it is. But yeah, so yes. are a lot of these companies. So I'm just looking at your your takeaways and I'm, I'm kind of leaning toward this whole idea of like educate yourself on how the algorithms work and speak out. And I... Right. I do think it just, it needs to be discussed because I know so many of my family members watch The Social Dilemma and they were just creeped out. Right. They still don't understand how the AI works and they don't understand that it's only doing a small piece of what it's capable of doing. Right. So what we really need is more marketing professionals who can connect the dots and look at the bigger picture of it's really about manipulating behavior. Because what we do as marketers is you try and get people to take actions. You try and right. understand needs and desires and fears. But with AI, you, you can you can manipulate those things in whole new ways. And so, you know, I think that, that we started talking about the Marketing AI Conference and, and how are you there? And our theme there was more intelligent, more human, that what we yes. really need are marketers to talk about the human side of AI. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. And, you know, it was really interesting as you were talking here a second, I remembered something. I'm going to get the quote wrong, but mm -hmm. in that blog post we were talking about that I wrote, there's a, my favorite quote out of The Social Dilemma was a an add-on to the riff that if you're not paying for a product, you are the product, mm -hmm. is this the person, the guy with the dreadlocks. I the Jaron uh, yeah. Lanier? Yeah, yeah um, super interesting guy. He said, no, that's not the product. And I'm going to get the, I'm going to paraphrase, I'm going to get the quote not precisely right. But he said, the subtle change in your behavior mm -hmm. when you're using a social network, that's the product. Wow. I highlighted it. It's, it's the, the gradual, slight, imperceptible change in your own behavior and perception as the product. I, I agree. As soon as I read that in your piece, I was like, yeah, that's... And, that's... and that's really creepy to say that you go in using Facebook believing one thing, and then based on the stuff that you click, you, you finish months later thinking something else. I, I stopped using it. Uh, like I, because I, I'm. I was gonna ask you, like, where does this go? Like, twelve months from now, are we back here being like, yeah, nothing changed? Like, yeah. it's I mean, I think more people are gonna do what probably you and I are talking about, and I think people in our industry have probably been doing that for a couple of years. Because again, we've seen it coming. I just stopped using it, like I, yeah. especially during the the election cycle. Like, I could right. not go into Facebook. Yeah. There's again, yeah. we could we could go down a whole other path, but I I did. I still use Instagram to a degree to yeah. look at pictures of space and stuff, but like. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. Like, I'm there because I need to understand the platform because it does I, I help really businesses do. grow. I really do. I'm going to spend 2000 and 
what the hell year are we coming up to? 2021. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to spend 2021 talking about this topic. Yeah. And I don't believe that I can talk about it intelligently unless I'm on Facebook, just kind of getting a sense of, of, of what they're doing and how they're doing it. But I would say to people who maybe aren't seeing it as much on Facebook, but the first thing that opened my eyes was Netflix. It was Netflix that the light bulb went poof. Oh my gosh, I'm finally getting how these algorithms work because all it was showing me was rock documentaries. Now, granted, here they are, right? I'm a rock and roll guy, but that's not all I want to watch. Um, Spotify would be another one. Kinds of other things. Yeah. Do you use Spotify? I don't, but I know that would be the same thing. It's it functions the same way. It's a recommender algorithm. It learns what you listen to. But to your point, it's like. Yeah, great. I listened to three hip hop songs and, you know, two country songs and, you know, the algorithm starts to just show me a bunch more hip hop. So it's like, oh, that's good. And all of a sudden, like five days later, it thinks all I like is hip hop when in reality, like I'm going to go listen to classical music. Then I'm going to go listen to like monster bands from the 80s. And it's like, I'm not two classes. (laughs) That's exactly right. That's exactly, exactly right. And that's what educated me. That was the thing that really made me figure it out. And then I was able to take a look at Facebook with new eyes. And yeah. really, truly see what it was doing to me. And that's when I backed off and said, I don't, I don't go into the general Facebook anymore. Well, I shouldn't say anymore. I rare, very rarely do. And I just do to see what it wants to show me now. I go in, there's a couple of groups I go to that aren't available anywhere else. But, but I really do want to make sure that I, I see what's happening there and be able to explore when I want to, to see oh my gosh, I clicked on that ad and now they're trying to sell me this. And, um, you know, I, I commented on that blog post and all of a sudden they know that I watched that. I looked at that blog post over on Facebook and it's like, you know, they're, they're that subtle, ch- I don't going to get the quote wrong again, but right. that subtle change. That gradual change. Yep. Yeah. That's the product. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely, as you continue your research into this, we'll definitely come back to this. I'd love to talk about it another 12 months and see <laughs> see where you've gone and what yeah, you've done. Yeah, and thank you. Thank you for your, le- again, I mentioned it at the top, but thank you yeah. for your leadership in this area because we were, you know, me in a tiny way, you in a big way, we need to make sure that marketers know what's going on here. And there is a choice. You don't have to advertise with Facebook. Um, you don't have to use Facebook, and you, but you certainly need to understand Facebook because I believe very, very strongly, and sounds like you are in the same camp, that it's a dangerous thing for society. Yeah. And that uh, the algorithm is a dangerous thing for society. I don't want my kids on it. Let's just put uh, it that way. Yeah. <laughs> I hope it's all gone by the time they're teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we're going to end with a rapid fire, uh, as we always do. But first, let me tell you about another one of our sponsors, Rasa.io. Rasa.io is the only AI-driven smart newsletter platform designed so organizations of any size can get more from their email programs by delivering relevant, personalized content to each individual on their email list. By sending through the Rasa.io platform, everyone gets a custom version of the newsletter. The Rasa.io platform can combine an organization's original content with third-party resources that are relevant and trustworthy. The result is that you have a compelling vehicle to remain engaged with readers on a high-frequency basis. Rasa.io also captures a great deal of insight data that you can utilize for marketing, sales, product development, and more. Visit rasa.io to get started today. 
All right. And we are back with the rapid fire questions. So we got a couple quick ones here, David. You ready? Voice assistant you use the most. Alexa, Google Assistant, Surrey, or don't use them? I actually don't use them. No, not not at all. all. They're all turned off. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know why. I just, that's my thing. On your phone, do you ever like, you know, direct, you just ask for directions or anything quick with, wow. I know, right? That's cool. I, yeah. I turned Alexa off in my house, but I still use Siri all the time. No, it's all off. It's all off. Um, all right. More valuable in 10 years, a liberal arts degree or a computer science degree? <laughs> Becoming from Kenyon College in Gambier, Ohio, just a couple hundred miles south of where you are right now, Paul, which is a, a fabulous liberal arts college. Yeah. I, I'm absolutely convinced that learning how to think first is really important. And a liberal arts degree is critical for that. So I'm in the camp of liberal arts degree. I'm a big fan also. All right. Net effect over the next decade, you feel more jobs eliminated by AI or more jobs created by AI, or it's not going to make a meaningful impact one way or the other. I think every time there's a new technology, more jobs are created. It's just different kinds of jobs. You know, are, are there still going to be people, for example, writing financial news articles based on corporate earnings releases? No, those jobs are going away. Right. But there will still be jobs that are created. I'm interested to hear what you think about that question. I, I'm in the, the more created camp. I just yeah. don't think we can see them. I mean, it's it's always hard to see around the corner of what's going to come from it. But every time I give a talk or every time I go meet with a corporation, I leave thinking, well, I just came up with five more jobs that are going to exist right. that don't right now. <laughs> like just- I, think that's a, I think that's exactly right. And the other thing is interesting, tying back that question to the liberal arts question is, yeah. if you learn how to think, then you're going to be prepared for those new jobs because mm-hmm. you can figure out how to then apply your brain power to something that didn't even exist a couple months ago. Agreed. All right, last one. Social media site that you use the most? I know what the answer is not, but let's get Twitter, <laughs> <Not> Facebook, Facebook. <laughs> Instagram, YouTube, I, TikTok, I don't, I, Snapchat, I don't use it's those. Not, but. It's not Facebook as we just spent <laughs> half an hour talking about. I'm a Twitter guy, Paul. Okay. I, um, I, love, I love Twitter. I, and, I, and yes, they have an algorithm too, but it's not quite as heavy handed. It's not um, designed to do the same thing. That Yeah, I'm on it every day. I think it's a very, very important place for for every person on the planet to be able to see what's going on with the people that matter, whether that's yeah. politicians or journalists or um, authors or others, um, you know, many times they'll communicate right to you. It's super cool. So that's my thing. I'm, I'm with you hundred percent. Lists in Twitter is like my go-to. I have a news list, a science list, an AI list. And what I've done is to your point in that article about human curation, when a topic becomes important to me, I go find the authorities on it. Right. And then I see who they retweet and I add them to my, and it's just like, so I build up, it's like something happened, like, you know, new government stimulus program. Okay, yeah. I'm gonna go to my feed and see what those people who I trust are saying about right. it rather than me trying to like guess or go to Facebook. Exactly right, so. yeah, yeah, and that's super cool. And, and, you know, people who dismiss it, I believe have just don't really understand it very well. I would pay for Twitter. Like if they said tomorrow it's nine ninety nine a month, I'm oh, like done. Oh, Give me the totally premium. Would. What's the premium option? I'll pay more. Yeah, yeah. What do I get for the two hundred and fifty bucks a year? I'm in. Yeah, I'll <laughs> take it. 
All right. Well, this has been great. Do you have any final thoughts for for our audience in terms of AI, social media, or just kind of you know, you know, I was thinking like a little bit of a downer this particular. I know. Topic. Give me something good you know, that we can look forward to. Started with this awful pandemic and how we're not we're not getting on airplanes and traveling and meeting people anymore, right. and 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 um and how Facebook is ruining the world. And despite all that, Paul, I'm actually super enthusiastic and optimistic about the world and you know, how wonderful this place is that we get to inhabit and how it's super cool to interact with people like you on a daily mm-hmm. basis. And and um, so I'm super bullish about 2021, even though there's there's um, these things that we talked about today that are that are bad, but the vast majority of things happening out there are, are, are super positive and good. I'm good. And, and I'm with you. And I think an awareness of what's happening is the first step. And so, yes, it, it it's evil. Yes, it can affect us. But the more people that are willing to talk about it and understand it, the more we can collectively figure out a better way forward. And I I, yeah. I agree. I mean, it's, it's not the funnest topic to talk about, but it's got to be talked about. And yes. you know, I'm glad you've sort of taken that platform that you have and, and are moving that conversation forward. So Thank what's you. the best place for people to find you? We just talked about Twitter. I'm DM Scott, D-M-S-C-O-T-T. My full name, David Meerman Scott, the only one on the planet. I used my middle name professionally starting 20 years ago for SEO purposes. So you enter my name and you find me. Excellent. All right, David, always a pleasure. Thanks, Paul. Always great to talk to you. All right, this has been the Marketing AI Show. We'll look forward to talking with you again next time. Thanks for listening to The Marketing AI Show. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And if you're ready to continue your learning, head over to marketingaiinstitute.com. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly newsletter, check out our free monthly webinars, and explore dozens of online courses and professional certifications. Until next time, stay curious and explore AI.